What's going on, coaches? You are tuned in to keep your pads down, where we are all about defensive line. Now, whether you're in Buena Vista, Virginia, Angleton, Texas, or Sterling Heights, Michigan, or somewhere in between, thank you for checking us out today. If you love the defensive line, then you've come to the right place. Now, the reason why I called out those particular cities is because they had a ton of downloads of KYPD this past week, so I want to show some love to them. So once again, thank you to those coaches out in Buena Vista, Virginia, Angleton, Texas, uh, Sterling Heights, Michigan, Lubbock, Texas was another big one that I needed to throw in there as well. So thank you to you guys for checking us out. Really, really appreciate it. Well, it's playoff time here in Texas, at least for programs uh, on the 4A, 3A, 2A, and 1A levels, uh, which is where we are. We're a 4A school, uh, so now we are in round two of the playoffs. Uh, 5A and 6A programs are in the middle of their regular season, and we'll actually start the postseason uh, in, in, in December. So pair that with this being the last week of school before Thanksgiving break, at least for us here in Texarkana, and things are looking pretty good. 2020 will soon be in the rearview mirror, so hang in there, fellas. All right, now we have a great guest lined up for you today, and I'm excited for you to hear from him. Today we're talking with Texas State defensive line coach Ja'Cory Greer. Now, Coach Greer is in his first season as a defensive line coach at Texas State after serving three years in a similar role at Abilene Christian University. In 2019, Abilene Christian ranked 10th nationally in team sacks with 36. The Wildcats averaged just over three sacks per game in 2018 to rank among the top eight FCS teams in the country. Coach Greer went to ACU after serving two seasons as a defensive line coach at New Mexico Highlands and a season as a defensive graduate assistant at SMU in 2013. He joined SMU's coaching staff after spending six years at New Mexico, where he was a player and a graduate assistant coach. He went to New Mexico as a freshman in 2009, and after sitting out that season as a redshirt, he played four years on the defensive line. He was an All-Mountain West honorable mention selection in 2012 before serving as team captain as a senior. A native of Dallas, Texas, Coach Greer joined the Lobos coaching staff as a graduate assistant before following Archie McDaniel to SMU and serving as a graduate assistant for the Mustangs in 2015. Today, Coach Greer and I talk about how the Bobcats present multiple looks out of their odd front, how he coaches up twists and movements with his guys. Uh, We touch on some pass rush, rushing a mobile quarterback. And then our rapid-fire segment, I ask Coach how he feels about giblet gravy and cranberry sauce. Oh, boy. Anyway, guys, you're going to want to have your pen and notepad out for this one. So lean in close and enjoy my conversation with Texas State defensive line coach Ja'Cory Greer on episode 86 of Keep Your Pads Down. Very excited to welcome Coach Ja'Cory Greer on the podcast today. Coach Greer, thank you for joining us. Man, no, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. You're doing a great job with this podcast, and I'm, I'm honored to be one of the one of the defensive line coaches to get, up, get on here. Well, Coach, I, I appreciate it. Having a lot of fun because, you know, and the main thing is, the, the, the main uh, thing that I like about doing this podcast is being able to to meet guys like yourself and, and, and talk, and it's interesting because, you know, we always end up finding some connections that, that, we, that we didn't know we had, and that seems to happen every week. Uh, and we're going to talk about those in our conversation today. But first, uh, as I already mentioned, you're the D-line coach at Texas State there in San Marcos, which 
uh, I'm a little bit jealous of. That's an absolute beautiful place uh, in the in the country, not to mention just the state of Texas to live in and, and just be in that area. But let's start at the beginning and have you fill us in on your background a little bit. Yeah, man. So I uh, grew up in Dallas, uh, got, a, got a chance to uh, play um, at the University of New Mexico. I uh, played there for uh, four years. Um, left there and um, was going to play, try to play overseas and got an opportunity under Bob Davey to come back as a graduate assistant. Um, my situation was a little different because as a graduate assistant, I actually got the coach position. Um, so we were uh, at that time, uh, three, four. Um, I got the, the true nose guard position where the other defense, the D line coach, he coached the uh, ends and tackles, as we called them. Um, so really got to sharpen my craft there and, and get meeting time and kind of learn how to coach. Um, after that experience, um, I left there uh, with Archie McDaniel and went to SMU. Um, where I jumped back and got into some linebacker play, um, you know, stayed there for about seven months and then took a full-time job at a Division II school in New Mexico, uh, which is where I stayed for two years. Um, after that opportunity, uh, man, just kind of fell into it. I knew Tremaine Jackson. Um, he and Archie are really good friends. Um, he asked me to uh, come to Abilene Christian. Uh, where Adam Doral had just got the head job, uh, went one of the win- most winningest coaches in Division Two in this, you know, this era, and so uh, I jumped all over that opportunity, not knowing anything about West Texas and the wind, you know, none of that. Just, just kind of jumped down there and went to went to West Texas, and, um, and it was it was a blast. I really had a good time uh, being able to coach there for three years and having some really good players. Um, that nobody knew about at that time. Um, so did that for three years. And, um, you know, Archie uh, is now the co-defensive coordinator here at Texas State and got an opportunity to interview for this defensive line job when Tremaine left. And it just kind of all worked out, man. Got got this opportunity and uh, love it here. Been kind of running ever since. When did you know that you wanted to become a coach? Was that something you always knew you wanted to do? I was not that, that that kid, man, to be honest with you. You know, it's, it's different. I tell my kids this now, the ones that I coach that, um, you know, are kind of on the fence. Um, you know, I, I knew I wanted to uh, be in education uh, at some capacity. I, you know, as a, as a kid, one of my mentors was our principal. Um, and I, I just thought that that was uh, the fit for me. Uh, but once I once I kind of left ball and kind of was looking overseas to play, um, you know, and had a great conversation with uh, Bob Davey and Archie McDaniel both on, you know, this is something you can do and you can do it really well. You relate to players really well. Um, you were a captain for three years. Um, and, you know, I, I gave it some thought and, man, I'm so glad that I had good people in my corner to kind of just talk me through it. Um, but once I started, I instantly loved it. And, and, you know, obviously the game of football has been so influential for my life. Uh, it's, you know, it's awesome to still be in it and be involved in it in some capacity. You know, you mentioned ha- having your own room as a GA where you got to coach those nose guards. And, you know, I'm sure that's just an ideal situation for a graduate assistant. And especially to do that on the Division One level, that's, that's pretty rare. Uh, what was maybe one of the biggest lessons that you had to learn uh, transitioning from being a player at New Mexico to now a GA and a coach there at your alma mater? 
Yeah, two things. Uh, the first thing I would say was, um, you know, establishing that relationship. You know, they knew me as Captain Ja'Cory Greer, player, you know, guy that we play around with and have a good time with and that stuff. And I kind of had to early separate myself um not from them, but at the same time from the culture of, okay, now I am not your peer. I'm not necessarily your superior either. I'm kind of somewhere in between. You know, I'm that bridge. Um, and so I really had to um, sit down and kind of think about ways of, you know, bridging that gap between me and um, the full-time position coach at that time. And so um, that, that was one thing. The other thing I would say is um, really making sure that I was understanding uh, what we were trying to do defensively. Um, so if they had a question, they didn't necessarily have to run to the position coach all the time. They could come to me because they were more comfortable with me. I just had to make sure that I had the correct answers. Yeah, yeah. And, and I can just imagine that's a difficult thing to, you know, to go from being you know, peers with these guys to now in a position of authority. I've always been curious with guys who jump into it like that, like you did, where they're, you know, you, you go from pretty much from being a player to a coach. Uh, h- how did you develop just your, your style of coaching, your progression, all those things? Uh, you know, and, and I'm sure it's tempting just to sort of mimic what you've seen done in your own, you know, with your own experiences. Uh-huh. So how did you develop your own uh, ideas and progressions as a coach? Well, I was blessed, man, early on. Um, you know, I had, before Bob Coach Davey came there and Archie McDaniel, who I'll probably reference 30 times, um, you know, I, I got to be around guys like Ruben Carter. Ruben Carter was one of the first D linemen. I mean, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He played in the NFL, coached in the NFL. His son is Andre Carter, played 13, I think, or so years in the NFL, who's now coaching in the NFL. Um, so, I had him for two years, so he really showed me the foundation of what defensive line play was. Um, you know, having him and then meeting people like John Levera at an early age, kind of just kind of, I kind of took bits and pieces, um, but every D-line coach that I've ever met, from the Buddy Wyatts of the world to, I mean, all these guys, they've always told me to, hey, man, at first and foremost, be yourself. Um, guys can relate to you because you are a guy, you know, like you're just a good dude and guys can relate to that. And so I've always started there. And then over the years, kind of just established um, what's important to me, you know, what are still, what are things that I won't compromise in? What are things that I can give them ownership, uh, you know, of, you know, what, what are things that I can, um, you know, provide for them that, uh, that doesn't contradict what we're trying to get done overall. And so um, really taking the time out to uh, learn more about myself and then, then it would give them everything that they would need to be successful um, is, is really what I had to do. <clears throat> I think that's a really important point you made about just learning more about yourself and, and making a conscious effort to be self-aware because I think the easy thing to do, which is exactly what I did starting out, is is you try to copy your mentor, right? Like I tried to be my position coach, my college position coach. We did the same drills. I said the same things. Uh, you know, I I got mad at the same thing. You know, I reacted the same way or at least tried to or what I thought he might do. And then you, know, you kind of figure out pretty quick that you had to be yourself 
Otherwise, those kids are going to tune you out, and it's not going to go well. Man, it's so it's so funny you say that. Like, I always say, man, you can you can fake your way through a lot of things, but you can't fake your way with those kids. That's right. I mean, for whatever reason, those kids got a they got a radar on that type of stuff where it's like, hey, are you authentic or are you not? And and so you know, you learn quickly to just be yourself and and take the good with the bad, and and then make those corrections when you can. And so, I, you know, for me, I, I've learned to say, hey, man, I was wrong. Or, you know, yeah. hey, we're gonna, we got to do this a different way because you're not understanding it and I'm not coaching it correctly. Yeah. Those are things that, you know, I've learned uh, along the way where it's okay. I got to, you know, I got to self-aware and, and fix. <clears throat> Looking back on your career up to this point, what would you say are some of your highlights uh, from, your, from your coaching career up to this point? Um, for me, man, it was leaving SMU as crazy as that sounds. I'm from Dallas. I'm from the inner city of Dallas. Um, you know, uh, we moved and that's where I went to Newman Smith and that stuff. But, you know, being, uh, from there and then leaving, uh, was a, was a huge chance. And, and I, you know, I was nervous about it, you know, talking to coach Morris at the time, of, this is something I should do. I was really, really nervous about taking that opportunity and it just so worked out in my favor um, to where, you know, I, I had that opportunity to go to a division two school uh, to solely get a full-time position. And, you know, in doing that, it worked out. So like I wouldn't have gotten the Abilene Christian job had I not taken that division two position coaching job. Yeah, that's uh, that's it's just crazy how that stuff works. And you look back and, and uh, you can just kind of see how things fall into place. And, you know, obviously, I'm sure meeting Coach Jackson, you know, that that, that really had a lot to do, do with you. I'm sure getting that Texas State job oh, and replacing yeah. him at Texas State. So I'm sure that was, uh, you know, that, that was uh, fun to be able to work with him and kind of follow along his footsteps as well. We've had him on the podcast, and uh, his episode has been one of the most downloaded ones we've had. Talk about him and just your experiences with him a little bit. Oh, man, that joke is crazy. <laughs> I tell you right now, he is flat out crazy. And no, I'm I'm joking, man. He's awesome. Uh, you know, he's he's one of my mentors. Um, you know, I I talk to him once a week. Uh, I mean, we worked together for two years, and at the end of it, man, we were both sad and crying that one was leaving. You know, he's he's really helped shape uh, my way of thinking, uh, my way of how I do things, how I how I address certain situations. Um, he's a rock star and, uh, I, I'm, I was really blessed to, uh, be able to coach the defensive line for him. And, um, you know, the number one thing I always tell people about Tremaine is, um, you know, if you just want to coach a position, um, and he's in charge, whether that's him being a defensive coordinator or a head coach, uh, he's going to make, you're going to be extremely uncomfortable. Um, you know, he is a ball coach. And so he takes a lot of pride in everybody around him being that um, and understanding whole concepts. And so he really pushed me those first two years of of doing that. And and when you leave him, you feel like you're ready to coordinate, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's awesome. You know, it's just an awesome experience. Yeah, that's that's I, I got that from him, got that sense from him that, uh, you know, he's he's the kind of coach that. That's going to make the guys around him better, and that's always a sign of a great coach. And a, and a word that I throw around on this podcast a lot because you know talking to D line coaches, I think this is a prerequisite to be a, a good D line coach, and that is you got to have a lot of juice. 
and Coach Jackson definitely has has some. I want to ask you this, you know, besides game days, because we can all get juiced up for game days. You know, what is it? What what aspect of coaching football gets you the most excited or juiced up? Uh, you know, the the biggest thing for me is coaching my kids. You know, whether I just got them or I've had them for two or three years, um, I take a lot of pride in the developmental stage. Um, while I'm just getting them, uh, they they're not quite there yet. Um, but they're starting to understand concepts and they're starting to put things together and they're, they're, you know, they're playing at an all time high. They're, you know, they're playing better than they ever thought that they could. Um, that, that really excites me, man. When you, when you're coaching a position and you're drilling it and you're drilling it and you're drilling it and you're starting to see what you're drilling shows up on tapes in the team segments or in a game setting. Um, those are the things that I really am. Uh, get fired up about now. I get really passionate about uh, because that means now you can go to the next stage of that drill. You know, you can you can now progress that that athlete and make him, uh, you know, really push him in those elements of what's next. Uh, when you when you see something that's starting finally to click for that athlete. Absolutely, and I think that's something that that people who are outside of coaching, you know, just fans of football, I think that's something they miss. I think that they see. You know the the three hours on a Friday or a Saturday, mm-hmm. and and they just assume that that's basically what it's all about. But you know, for most of us, the exciting part is that that stuff during the week. I mean, I love you know looking mm-hmm. at the practice script, and we we never have enough individual time slated, uh, especially as you get later <laughs> on in the season. And I always feel like because that is my favorite time is the individual time, kind of like what you're talking about. I always feel like you know I'm at I'm a kid at a at a carnival, and I only have so many tickets to use, but there's so many rides that I want to get on and I have to be really, really careful about how I spend my tickets, you know, and I, that's kind of how I feel about my indie yeah. time because it's so valuable and it is so much fun. There's so much teaching to be done. Oh, well, let's, let's, let's talk about uh, your defensive line, your defensive front specifically. I know you guys do a lot of, uh, you know, you transition from odd to even. So let's talk about that and, and how you guys are doing that. Um, that's, a, that's a really popular thing to be able to do now. And I think it's a necessity. A necessary thing that you have to do, defenses have to be able to do. So talk about how you guys do that at Texas State. Yeah, um, you know, so we are we are a 3-4 defense. Um, like, make no bones about it, that is our baby. Um, but, you know, we've, we've kind of evolved, um, especially since I've been here. I think last year they toured with it a little bit. Um, but now we're really um, trying to immerse both the four-down system uh, with our three-down system. And, and you know, it can be challenging at, ha- at times, but to me it's challenging when you try to do too much. And so what we've done is really understand who we are, which is a 3-4 defense, but the, the things that we choose to do in four-down, make sure that we're really sound and we understand what those things are. Um, I think that's something that um, Zach Spavitol is our defensive coordinator. I think that's something that he does really well is not focus on all of these things we could be doing, but really focus on, okay, this is what our kids are good at. Let's stay here with this four-down system, understand the fit, understand what coverages we're going to run, and let's just live there. And so um, anybody who's toying with that idea, um, whether it's going from a 3-4 to a a four-down system in some capacity, or a four-down going to a three-down, 
system in some capacity. Um, understand that you might not major in it, but the, the few minor things you do in it could be enough in a game uh, to make an offense, you know, adjust. And so as long as you're good and your kids can execute those things, then at the end of the day, you get what you want. Yeah, I think you, you, you mentioned something that's extremely important when you're doing this, if you're deciding to do this as a defense, is that you guys are a 3-4 defense. Like that's, uh, and, and you hear you hear coordinators say this, you know, don't call, you know, call a defense, not defenses, right? And you got to have right. something, you got to have a base to work from, uh, and then you can mm-hmm. add some things or pull some things in as needed. And I think that's an important thing to understand. Uh, so when you're, when you're talking about, you talked about how you, you, you will get in a four down front um, and, and, you know, just depending on situations or whatever, you know, what, what kind of decides that for y'all? Is it personnel groupings, down a distance, maybe just a, a particular opponent? Uh, what what sort of dictates what front you're going to show? Um, you know, it, it, it's opponent-based. Um, you know, for us mainly, we try to, if we can, sprinkle it in no matter who we're playing. Um, you know, obviously, when you're a 3-4 team, you, you have a ton of simulated pressures and, and all that stuff you can get into. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, too, on third down or a long second down, there's nothing like having four guys out there that can go get it. Absolutely. Um, and, and pass rush and do those type of things as well. Um, you know, I, you know, so we, we kind of mix it up on and have a variation, but I would say every week we try to carry it in some capacity. Uh, whether we know it's just going to be on a certain down or versus a certain personnel, um, you know, it, it's, it, that's where we really try to fit it um, from week to week. When you're, when you're transitioning from a three to a four down front, what does that look like? Are you bringing in someone else on the field, taking someone off? Are you sliding an outside backer down? How does that work? Yeah, so we, we actually just, that's exactly what we do. We take our outside linebacker and we put him down. Um, he's a bigger body. I mean, he's not too big, but he's, you know, he's 225, 220 um, and, can, and can rush, you know, and, and give us that element, whether if it is going to be a, still a, a three-man rush with dropping him out, but the illusion of four down or a true four down and a four-man rush or a true pressure situation where we can add him in on the pressure, um, you know, that flexibility has been huge. So we don't necessarily have to sub somebody out and get into a different uh, personnel. Um, and, and because, as we know, as the line coaches especially, um, you know, nowadays you can't sub. Like these offenses are going so fast. Right. They're not subbing, you know what I mean? It looks right. like it's 12, but then they'll get in the, uh, you know, a two-by-two formation. So you know, that that allows us to be a little bit more flexible with our calls. Um, we do have a true, um, like a lot of teams I know, have a true package where you can get four jokers out there that you know can go get it. Um, but at the end of the day, if we wanted to just call a four-man front, we could with our with the guys that are, would normally be in on our 3-4. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's that's it, it's awesome to be able to do that because, like you said, it's it helps with tempo, uh, and then obviously if you're when you're not trotting guys on on the field and off the field, then it's going to keep the offense guessing a little bit, and you can always have the illusion at least that you're going to be in a three down front or a four down front, and you can transition pretty seamlessly. You know, for for let's say you know we got small small school high school coaches maybe listening to this uh-huh. who who would like to do this and like yeah, but you know I don't know if I have that guy on my roster. You know what what. What kind of types of characteristics do you have to have in that guy who can be a tweener and play some outside backer and some defensive end? 
to me, man, uh, a guy who you established as a, um, I, I, I would say a pass rusher, but to me, it, it's what you want to do out of that team. Um, like, to me, if you're talking stunts and movements, um, you, first off, you need to establish the purpose of those stunts and movements. Like, are you trying to, um, you know, stop a draw play? Are you trying to rush the passer? Are you trying to, um, you know, keep the quarterback in the pocket? You know, what are the, the, the points of you trying to create this package? If it's something just to give an offense a different look, then that that body can vary from an inside linebacker's type or an outside linebacker's type. Um, you know, as long as that person can um, successfully hold an edge, because you know teams can still run the ball. You know what I mean? Whether it's third yeah. down or not, um, you know they can still run the ball. So as long as that person can hold an edge and be effective in his hands and that stuff, um, then I would say that body can vary. Um, you know, for us, we're, you know, obviously we get to recruit to that body. Um, you know, for us, that guy's six, one and a half, six, two, and he's two twenty. Um, you know, when I was at a division two school, that guy was six foot, you know, one ninety five. you right. know, but he could, uh, he was tough. You know, he was physical. He wasn't scared. He could, you know, he could hold his own against the run. Uh, but he also had that dynamic of pass rush ability. Yeah, and, and, and you can tell me, you know, whether you agree with this or not, I think it works better if you have a a kid, an outside linebacker type kid who can play D end as opposed to a D line kid who might be a little bit shaky, you know, playing outside backer. At least in our experiences oh, with it, that's 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 what you're kinda of looking for is that you know, I think that because ultimately when you're an outside linebacker walked up, I mean, that's pretty similar to what you're doing anyway as an outside backer. No doubt. No, I agree with you 100% on that. Um, you know, in my experience as coaching, um, in both schemes, whether it's a 3-4 or 4-3, um, it's been way more of a challenge for a 3-4, you know, nose guard who's 290, 310 pounds to effectively learn how to play a shade, you know, or, yeah. um, you know, that guy to learn how to be a three-tech, which is crazy. But it, it's so weird that, you know, versus a four-down scheme where this we live in the four-down world, those guys can be like, shoot, we'll slide to a zero in a heartbeat, and we just go vertical and disrupt stuff, right? you know? Right. But, but, but that three, four nose guard who's taught to play on the backside of things, who's now saying, hey, man, we want you to be a shade and you need to stay on the front side, it's a totally different ballgame. And so it's, it's, it's really interesting, man, how some of that stuff works. Now, in your base front, are you guys pl- are you guys playing head up in in a, in a you know zero and fours? Uh, are you are you playing shades? So we are zero and we're four eyes and okay. three down. Okay, um, is what we are. Um, you know, when we get into our four down stuff, we can be a uh, you know we we got a number of things we can do. Whether it's field, uh, whether it's you know we can set somebody to a back if we wanted to. We can. Um, we can be an even, which is, you know, your two twos, you know, we can, um, we can be in, uh, even, but, but now instead of spilling the two outside pieces, we can force the two outside pieces. You know, there's, there's a number of different, you know, ways we can play it. Um, but, but when we talk about our, our, our three, four defense, we're zero and we're two, four eyes. 
And so, again, I think sometimes when, when guys maybe get a little scared of this is because they're worried about how it's going to affect run fits and how it's just going to affect their kids. And I think you know, just, just from talking with you already and, and understanding how we do this as well, that when you do it the correct way, when you do it the right way, that the kids don't even know, right? Like they're, it's not even a big deal for them that, we're, that you're going from a three-down front to a four-down front. I mean, I think if you were to ask our linebackers on a lot of times, hey, you know, what, what's the difference for you when we go from, you know, odd to even? And they don't even know, right? And, and I think that sometimes uh, that's, that's all in the way that, you, that, that we as coaches present that. Would you agree with that? I would. I would. I think, I think you have to take some time in really um, teaching those things. Like, you know, for us, Archie is our linebackers coach. I know he spends a lot of time and he's always in my office. Hey man, what do we call this when the when the nose is going? You know, so we spend a lot of time uh, teaching our linebackers specifically of what movements we're doing, so we're all on the same page. Um, but that is a, I mean, that's an everyday task. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna devote time to being a four down system in any capacity, and you are a three down system, then you need to be doing those run fits. Um, you know, at least five to ten minutes every day, in my opinion. Um, just so the fit, so they can understand where they're constantly fitting, um, you know, and that's just baseball down. That's not even saying you're moving people and stemming and, you know, that's just, right. if you're just going to dabble in it, um, I think you have to spend some time in those run fits. Well, we've already kind of touched on on movements and, and doing some, some different things with your defensive line to create, uh, you know, favorable matchups and things like that. So let's talk about just how you guys are coaching up twists and movements with your defensive line. Yeah, um, you know, like I said earlier, to me, it, it all stems from what you're trying to accomplish. Um, if you're talking more so um, pass, um, then I think you really have to focus on um, isolating one or two linemen uh, a stunt. Um, so if you're in a four-down system, um, you know, I always say, like, the best pass rush stunts in a four-down system isolate at least two offensive linemen, uh, whether that's a guard, whether that's a center, um, really pinpointing and understanding, okay, man, this guy may be the weakest link in this pass pro. We need to try to figure out a way to isolate him. And so that's something we spend some time and we look at um, in, the, in the run game or, you know, it's, it's more so first level, second level stunt. So if you're if they're a zone team, you're really trying to dig stuff out because, you know, they're going flat. They're, you know, they're really hard on these zones nowadays. So it's understanding where our hit points are. Um and then being able to coach off that. If it's you know, if it's more gap scheme, if it's more gap scheme, then that stunt may happen a step later. So we call those second level stunts. Um, so it's really understanding what your hit points are and what you're going against, um, and then uh, encompassing your stunts and movements around that, um, if that makes sense. As a 3-4, as a 3-4, to me, it's, you know, you're really going to isolate, especially if you're dropping eight all the time, you're really going to isolate probably one offensive lineman because you're only bringing three. But it's being really deliberate on who that offensive lineman is. Um, is it the center, which is three, four, a lot of the time people are trying to isolate the center or guard, right? right. Um, and so it's, it's being able to um, 
you know, find that guy, watch tape on him, see see what they're doing. Are, are there four man sliding? Are they three man slide? Um, you know, is it is it a full slide situation? And then isolating based off what you're getting. And and it seems like and when I've when we're coaching these up that you know most of the time with your run stoppers, if you're doing if you're if you're stunning or twisting to to stop the run, that you know those are going to happen right now, right? Like those are those are right. those are those are hitting right now. Uh, because you're trying to eat up internal gaps, you know, whether it's trying to stop a quarterback from, you know, running a draw or even a zone play, something like that. But your 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 pass rush stunts or twists and movements are are the ones that are a little more slowly developing. Sometimes you even want to delay them a little bit, like you said, to try mm-hmm. to try to isolate that guy. So uh, is that true, or is that would you say that's the case for y'all in the way that you're coaching those? Oh, absolutely. Um, a lot of our paths, and it's so funny, man, because when you're coaching kids. Um, they they think the faster the sun is, the better the sun's oh, yeah. gonna work. Yeah, and, and you have to really spend a lot of time showing a man like if you're popping straight up in your pads, like when that ball is snapped, the guard right now is gonna slam your buddy, like gonna just somersault your buddy and kill him because you just gave it all away. Right. So it's really focusing on keeping those pads down and being patient. And we spend a lot of time uh, in our room talking about patience especially when you're talking about a pass rush stunt um and and that doesn't matter who you're isolating it could be two two techniques and we're working the center but i have to be really patient i have to get my eyes down and i have to have the same uh drive as if you told me i was just jetting and doing a free rush and so the better team the teams to me that can make it look like a free rush and and have our their pads down just like they're about to jet up the field but then run that stunt um, are those teams that are most successful and effective. Yeah, that's that's uh, uh, one that one that one thing that I always try to tell our guys is is uh, you know be quick, but don't get in a hurry. You know, like I mean that's exactly that, that right. kind of sounds weird to them, but it's like you know we want to move quickly, we don't want to move slowly, but we don't want to be in a hurry, and especially with those with those pass rush movements. You know, especially if you have like a defensive end who's going to be coming inside. You know, whether it's a long stick or you just coming in a B gap. Uh, that they if 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 they just automatically X, then then the offensive line is good enough. They're just going to switch, 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 and they're going to pass it off, and and it's not going to be a big deal. But you know, those guards, especially those guards and those centers, they're taught to find work, find work, find work, and if nothing shows up, uh, then they're gonna they're gonna help out. You know, help out their their buddy next to them, and they're going to open up a gap, and that's when that defensive end can. You know, can hit that open window, but it's getting those kids to understand that, and I think that comes from reps, right? I mean, is would you agree oh, with that as no well? No doubt, no doubt. One of the things we've done um, that I've been most proud of that I think is like has really been effective, and it's honestly, it's not really a stunt, it's not really a movement, um, but we've really kind of sold out to rush those B gaps and not worry about in a three four, and not worry about those guys copping so much out late for containing. Um, because we're dropping eight, and we're, we drop eight on quite a bit in different variations in all kind of ways, um, but because we do so much of that, um, we've really kind of really put it on our tackles and ends, as we call them, to, you know, really set that tackle up. You know, the, a lot of offenses now, they have their eye protection, and those guards are really looking second level. Um, to see if a linebacker's coming, and if there's no linebackers coming, typically they may step to the tap or to the uh, end or tackle that four eye four high second, but then they're working back to the nose. 
And so we've really tried to focus on having those tackles in the end and those four eyes uh, step outside, really threaten that tackle so he'll open up that B-gap. And in that time, that guard has really drifted back to that nose, and then there the B-gap is for us. And it's, it's really been really helpful for us this year um, and just making that quarterback move off his spot with, with three instead of having to bring a fourth or, uh, you know, or pressure with five or six. Um, this has been, been really helpful for us. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. You know, we play head up fours a lot. Uh, and, and that's, the, you know, the biggest thing that we try to keep our kids from doing is just running through the middle of somebody and bull rushing, right? Because absolutely. they don't know what else to do. And then, you know, or they try to stick their nose in B gap and, it, and it's and it's closed immediately because they threaten it right now. And and so you're, right. you're exactly right. It's it's hey, you got to you got to game him a little bit. Right. Like, yeah, it's it's OK uh-huh. to, to take two steps outside in the C gap and then you work your way back in because you're right. I mean, that guard's usually going to going to step down and help with the nose, especially if that nose is any good in an odd front. Right. Uh, and so exactly right. I, and I was just going to say, you know, and that's what a lot of kids are so from when you're recruiting, you know, you're talking to noses and you're talking to players. That's what we talk about is like, man, in a three, four, a lot of the time, the guy who's uh, zeroed up and has a one on one is the nose guard. And so, you know, that guy needs to be one of your more effective fast rushers of anything. Um, you know, and we've done that. We've played with that position some and, maybe taking a lighter guy who's a man, but it's a pass rush situation, and put him at that spot just because we know nine times out of ten, if we're dropping eight, he's going to be the guy with a one-on-one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, 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 that's, and that's right. So I think that just having those kids to kind of bring this thing full circle to, to not get in so much of a hurry, uh, and, and some part of it's probably our fault. You know, hey, that quarterback, you got two seconds to basically to, you know, to get back there. But, you know, every pass rush, you know, we're not looking for the knockout punch, right? Like it's, we're affecting the quarterback, exactly. like you said, moving him off his spot, setting that guy up for something later on in the game. And I think understanding kids, you know, getting kids to understand that is, is a big time battle, but, but that's, you know, Man, that's, you that's, are, that's, that's what you, you got to right do. On. No, uh, you're right on with that. And that's one area I had to really grow too as, as a coach, you know, being a young dude, you want to hit him, you want to sack him, but really understanding what a win is. Yeah, you know, and, and 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 all those things you just said, you're exactly right. So, are, will you ever move your guys? You know, f- rushing from a four eye. Um, do you ever move them like into threes in a bear look to pass rush from a from a you know on the outside shoulder of that guard? We do that some. Um, we have the ability to do that. Um, what we'll do more than that is um, we will move them out to a five. Yeah, and then give one of them a two way go. Um, have the nose work opposite and then have the other guy stay out. Um, so we, we do that more, I would say, than moving them both to a three. Um, you know, when I was with Jack, we had a front to where we, we could really get them into threes, loosen them up, and then have them go get it. Um, the issue is if you don't have a true overhang or those, like that bare look, if you don't have those guys and those guys um, snugged in there, even if they're out wide, um, you know, and they're not coming, those tackles right now are immediately going to try to slam your slam your 2-3 technique. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but, but I think it's really good if you can run some of that, you know, a bare front, um, as we call it, and we have that, like, if you can run some of that and you just be really meticulous on one having the two-way go, the other one staying in there, 
Um, we call it a Big Mac rush where he's bullying so his eyes are up so that quarterback, if he's mobile, can't escape. I think that stuff is really, really good. Let, let's talk about if you are you know, facing a mobile quarterback and, and how attacking him. Now, th- th- we're not giving away either one of our game plans here. This is all hypothetical, hypothetically speaking uh-huh. here. You know, if you're rushing a mobile quarterback, you know, and, and then especially in an odd front, being able to shut down those, those lanes for him to step up and take off and run. You know, how, how, do you, how are you coaching that up? How are you coaching up your pass rush that week when you're facing a mobile quarterback? Yeah, um, if we're in a three-down system, um, to me, it all stems from what we do every day, which is rush the B-gap. You know, um, and, and that's something that's also helped us. Uh, because we rush those B-gaps and we really rush them hard, um, we, can, we can really dictate where that quarterback is going to escape. Obviously, if you got a nose and you got two, four eyes and they're rushing the B-gaps and your nose full in the center, that quarterback's going to escape where? Outside. Yeah. So having those overhangs, you know, whoever they are, while they're in their drops uh, with eyes back on the quarterback, whether it's a spot drop or whatever you want to call it, having those eyes being back and then having them to be able to pull him up has been essential. You know, it's really key. So um, that's one way we, we, you know, we'll try to dictate that. Um, in a four-down system, um, you can be really creative. I mean, we've I've seen teams that overload to one side and really flush in one way, whether it's typically to the boundary, where they'll have a shade, a three, and a five technique to one side, and they'll really try to flush them to the boundary. Um, I've seen teams have like a, a field defense where, you know, you have a, a three technique, a five, a shade, and a five, and they're running basically a three one way and wrapping a guy back. You know, there's there's all these different things that I've seen uh, teams do um, that really try to keep that quarterback um, in the one one area or one spot. And and honestly, when you're trying to contain somebody, especially if he's a gifted quarterback, that's the best you can do is really try to keep him somewhere. Um, if he's going to escape, you need to know where he's going to escape to. And as long as you know that, for the most part, you'll be in a good situation. Um, you know, every every pass rush stunt you may have um, that's, you know, uh, designed to keep the quarterback in, he, there's always an escape lane. But as long as you right. know where that is and, and your people can have eyes on that, you'll be in a really good spot and situation. Yeah, I think that's a great point is is understanding. And that a lot of that comes from film study, too, uh, as you're breaking down Absolutely. your opponents, you know, knowing what the O-line's protection is and then knowing where that quarterback likes to escape. <laughs> You know, and again, if we're if we are rushing B gaps, attacking B gaps, he's a right-handed quarterback. He's going to flush to his right. So if you have, you know, if you want to send some pressure from that side to make him have to right. either you Absolutely. know throw it, throw it quick or or actually flush to his left, which is what he doesn't want to do. I think that's a great point. Is you know those guys they're going to get their they're going to get their their yardage, and it's it's just hard to, to completely shut them down. But you know, if you can limit them and 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 basically dictate where they're going to escape, I think that's a that's a great way to attack it. All right, we talked about that nose guard there, and that's always uh, you know really kind of tough when you're coaching that guy up as far as getting, you know, getting pass rush, getting movement. And what are some things that you're telling that nose guard when it comes to rushing a passer, particularly when you're in an odd front? A lot about is control. 
Um, you know, we don't we don't want our nose or any guy, um, especially the nose guard, but any of our positions uh, in a three, four or a four down system uh, to be out of control. Um, that nose guard is vital, obviously, because he's responsible maybe for two A gaps um, in a pass rush situation. Um, so as he's rushing, we teach him to rush with his eyes up. Um, and I, the only rule I have for that guy mainly is to get vertical knock before you pick a side and dictate where you're going. Um, a lot of noses you see uh, will pick a side too early, and now you have a gaping A gap with, with those two guys that may be in the B or C gap rushing in a 3-4. Um, so we, we spent a lot of time, of, you know, letting him kind of do his thing, but at the same time making sure he's in control to where if that quarterback does vacate or step up, he's able to get off and make that play or come close to it. Yeah, I think that's a great point that you talked about. You know, with, with I think the key there is your guys rushing under control. And, and again, it goes back to what we were talking about with our movements and, and you know, uh, that, that guys often, you know, they want to hit it going 100 miles an hour and, and rush right past the quarterback. And we've, you know, every D line coach has seen that and, and just been so frustrated on, you know, third and long and your guys rush past the level of the quarterback and he steps up and he's able to pick up mm-hmm. the first down. And I think that that's a great point of, you know, teaching your guys to be aggressive but also be under control. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's that, and, and, you know, and that's not an easy task, but, you know, you can. You can drill that. You know, there's things you can do to kind of help, um, you know, try to simulate that for him. So he's in that situation where it's like, okay, now I know right here I have to sit down and work back. Or right here I know I have to really try to press him and then step. the quarterback's about to step up. I got to make this right. You know, there's things you can do to, to really do that. Well, Coach, let, let's talk about what this season's been like for, for you guys at Texas State specifically. You know, everyone has had you know had to adjust and be flexible. Uh, you know, whether it be because you know you're missing games or starting your season late. Uh, so, just talk about what this season's been like for you guys. Oh man, yeah, it's you know it's we've we've been uh, we've played a full season, so we've we've played every week that we were supposed to play. Uh, we haven't won a few teams, or if not, I believe the only team in the country who has played a full schedule. Um, and so, you know, through that, you know, you have the, the normal injuries that occur, you know, at different positions and that stuff. But then we also, you can add on COVID, you know, and, and, all, and all that it brings. You know, um, one thing we've done really well as a coaching staff is not dwell on that and not, not use that as an excuse. And, and we've told our players the exact same thing. You know, um, at the end of the day, the people that are watching at home and watching you on ESPN, they don't care about your COVID issues. <laughs> they yeah. don't care about the injuries that we have. All they care about is the Texas State Bobcats and, and who's out there and who's playing hard and who's executing at a really high level and, and the game itself. And so we, we, we're not using... Uh, you know, the COVID or injuries as a cop-out. You know, we're really focused on every week trying to be the best version of the Texas State Bobcats that we can be. And so, um, you know, it's been it's been challenging at times. And, you know, us being on the road for five weeks, you know, we were on the road five straight weeks and going from as far as Boston College to Provo, Utah, and all these different places, um, you know, it's, you know, we've really tried to uh, 
um, put our best foot forward every week and, and take on each challenge as they come and, and execute. You know, coming from, you know, the perspective of a, of a Texas high school football coach, I think that it's been so great that, that a lot of our schools in our state have been able to play and maybe not full, complete seasons, but pretty close. And, and I think, you know, you guys mm-hmm. definitely come to mind. Uh, you think of like, you know, your Stephen F. Austin, your, uh, uh, you know, UTSA uh, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, some of those some of those other schools like that, that I think are really benefiting from playing playing a full season or at least close to one uh, at this time of year when a lot of schools aren't because there's a lot more exposure, right? There's a lot, there's, there's fewer teams oh, playing. Absolutely. So there's more opportunity that the piece of the pie is bigger for you guys. Whereas usually at this, at this time of year, it's not quite as big. And I'm talking, you know, TV exposure, you know, people are, are no, able absolutely. to watch you. No, absolutely. You hit it right on the head. Um, that and um, developing our players, guys that, you know, may have played or may have not played very much or didn't know what their role is going to be. Um, you know, this has been awesome because now we get to see a kid who maybe was we weren't expecting to shine, go out there and execute at a really high level. Or, you know, you get a, you know, and, and so all of those things definitely has, uh, you know, played, been really beneficial for, our, for us here at Texas State. Um, but it's like you said earlier as well, like there's nothing better than you turn on Saturday and there's ball on TV. There's, you know, there's teams out there that are really playing good football. And, and as a coach, you can watch and you can kind of learn and see what other people are doing that you may never have watched play before. And so that's been really cool as well. Absolutely. Well, again, I know that I've watched, you know, personally, I've watched more Stephen F. Austin football, more uh, SFA football, more <laughs> Texas State football. Right. I mean, and people, people, especially, you know, again, back in the early part of the year when a lot of the big time schools weren't playing yet, you know, the, the your, your guys game versus UTSA was one of the best football games of the, of the year that, that probably uh, gets gets maybe a little lost in the shuffle once, you know, once once the other the bigger conferences started playing. But Sure. Sure. I think well, I think one of the other great benefits that you guys are getting a, a you know your full season in is that you're going to keep your spring intact you know pending any kind of shutdown or anything like that 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 might happen. But I think that's another great thing for you is that your spring is going to basically proceed like normal. Is that is that right? As of as of right now, as far as I know, I believe so. But. You know, man, we kind of just, I, especially me, I kind of take it day by day and do what they tell me to do. <laughs> You're right, absolutely. Yeah, and, and there's, a, there's a big, uh, you know, a big if attached to that. Uh, but I guess what yeah, I'm saying is opposed to these guys who are trying to get in a spring season and, and right. wondering what that's going to look like and how that's going to work with recruiting, you know, with you getting your season, you know, in, in, in the fall when you normally would, I think that's a great benefit to you as well. No question. No question. Well, Coach, we're going to close out our conversation today with our rapid-fire segment. I'm going to give you uh, you know, roughly, I don't know, 10 sets of words, and you tell me your preference between the two. It's a very high-pressure segment, Coach. You think you can handle it? Oh, uh, man, I got you. Okay, I got all right. I, I, have no, I have no doubt that you, that you got this, Coach. So let's, let's jump right in here. Head up or shade nose, which do you prefer? Uh, head up. Okay, so are you lagging that guy or no? Yeah, he's a bang lag. Okay, all, all right. Now, I know spare time is at a premium for us coaches, especially you. You know, you're you're coaching during the year, and then and then as soon as the season's over, hitting the road recruiting, and and so it's a it's a really three three hundred sixty five day a year job for you. 
But when you do have some spare time, what are you more likely to do? Pick up a book or watch a movie? Uh, watch a movie. Okay. All right. So what what's uh what what are some of the the, the go to movies for Coach Greer? Man, I'm a you know I'm an action uh, comedy guy. You know, um, love a, love a good comedy, uh, love a good action movie. Um, I've been lately into um, actually, which both of those questions I, I've been lately into these podcasts. Lately. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I probably should add that, especially since I am doing a podcast, because that would be yeah, that'd, that'd be where I would fall is is podcast because. <laughs> You know, you can you can you can listen to it while you know I'll I'll have one on sometimes while I'm inputting data on you know on huddle awesome, or man. yeah yeah that's it yeah that's awesome well and and you know you're a, so so another movie guy who's who's also D line coach that we've had on uh, back in the spring big time movie guy uh, Ruffin McNeil uh, he's he's a big time oh, yeah. big time movie critic and and and, and uh, gave us some of his recommendations so he's a movie guy as well okay you're in a great spot a great part of texas when it comes to food choices of course being in san marcus you're close to new Braunfels. a lot of german food there uh and then we have the uh uh, we have you know tex-mex and barbecue so if you had your choice between the two tex-mex or barbecue which one are you going with excuse me but i'm gonna say tex-mex oh i I don't think you can go wrong on either one of those i don't think you can go wrong there tex-mex is hard to beat uh for you guys outside of the state of texas Tex-Mex is just what it sounds like. It's a combination of Texas food, you know, and Mexican food. Sort of, you know, maybe a little more Americanized uh, Mexican food that we, that we get down here, and it, and it is awesome. And yeah, and I don't think you can go wrong there either way. All right, I, I hate that I'm asking this question, but this is a definitely 2020 question. But I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> so when it comes to your face covering of choice at practice and on the game, are you a mask or a face shield, coach? Mask all the way. Okay. Got gator mask or the the ear loop mask? What you got? Man, I got the ear loop. I do have the gator. I don't like the gator at all, but I wear it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I like the earpiece because I feel like I have a little bit more space and I can actually breathe. That gator, man, that gator rises up and it's over. Yeah. Like yeah. The kids say they can't hear you. I mean, I know it. I, I've had some issues with that thing. Absolutely. And, and I've gone through just about every kind of mask that, that they make <laughs> and, and, and actually have settled on uh, in practice in the game of face shield. And it looks so stupid. And it's, I mean, there's just no way you can look, not look it's like an idiot. The most yeah. It, I mean, because it is like, especially when it's hot, you know, you're not, it's not getting all wet and sweaty. And, and then now when it's cold, you know, your breath turns it wet and then it gets cold. The only thing is when you yell, you can hear your voice reflecting off that thing, and, oh, and, it, and I'm like, I it feel like they can't hear me. But but I, I think what I, I want to be able to see my mouth, and so uh, that's you know that's kind of where I've settled, and and uh, uh, I modified mine a little bit. I cut some of it off because it went down to my like belly button almost. It felt like so, uh, but it's just not it's not fun either way. Uh, either way you slice it. Okay, when it, we, we talked a little bit about pass rush today. So uh, what's to, when we're talking defensive ends and pass rush, uh, are you a fan of spin or no spin as far as the counter move goes? Uh, I'm okay with spinning. Okay. Um, you know, I teach them as long as they're at the level of the quarterback. Um, you know, I used to hate spinning, and this is funny, I'll be quick, but I used to hate spinning. And John Lever, uh, historic defensive line coach, and he's coach John Randall, and 
Warren Sapp, and he's coached all Mike Singletary at one point. Like he's John Lever told me, how do you expect them to get back if they don't stay? And I just say, yes, sir. <laughs> and yeah. So yeah. from that day on, I've kind of I, I like to stand, and it, it works. Yeah, it's definitely one. I, I I like it too. I don't coach it as much because it's kind of like at least with high school kids, and we don't get a, just a ton of time to work on pass rush moves, but I, I feel like like once I teach them to spin, like you can't get that toothpaste back in the tube. And then a oh, lot of no times doubt. they think they're all, they're going to start freaking spinning on, you know, second and no one doubt. or something. You just, I mean, it's just a, it's one of those that like, it's a trust level pass yeah. rush move. Like once yeah. you've earned a certain level of trust, yeah. you've unlocked the spin. Congratulations. You can spin now. I trust no, you. Okay. We've Absolutely. talked, we, we've talked about mobile quarterbacks a little bit already. Which would you rather face, a mobile quarterback with maybe questionable throwing ability or a pocket passer who can drop some dimes? Do, do, do I have all my DBs? Yeah, oh, yeah. You got your defense. You're, you're, yeah, yeah, you're fully stocked defense. <laughs> okay, well, if I got all my DBs, give me the, uh, give me the, the pocket passer. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, you know, a, a pocket pass is really effective. Obviously, he's going to be effective what he does. I think there's things you can do uh, in the back end that kind of help you draw off the timing and maybe try to confuse him. Uh, but when that when that joker can run and he can add himself to the run fit that those guys may not be expecting, I think that's tough. You're right. It I is. think that's really, really tough. It's a head. Um, I think you can be effective, but at some point he's probably going to get you. That's right. And uh, and so uh, give me the pocket passer. Okay. All right. Now you are San Marcos is there uh, on I-35, uh, really between two of probably my favorite uh, Texas cities. Um, in Austin and San Antonio, okay? So yeah. if you could pick to, which city you would want to go spend some time in, which one are you going with, Austin or San Antonio? Austin. Okay, why? Man, the, there's just so much there. Um, I don't think you could do it all. Like, I mean, and San Antonio is an awesome city. I spend time there too. Um, but Austin is just, I mean, it's so big. There's, there's a little bit of everything for whatever you want. You want to be in the midst of everything and go to some, you know, good restaurants and see good people and have good energy. You can do that here, um, but you can you can also go and and um, you know see history and do some other things. Like Austin is just a really cool city. Yeah, I I uh, it's it's hard to go wrong with either one. I would living, you know, for for six years. Clo- really close to both, to, to Austin and San Antonio. I'm, I, I'd probably give a slight edge to San Antonio, uh, but but really, you, you're you're right on all cases with with Austin. It is it is a, a great place to go and visit. A lot of stuff to do for for no matter you know what your what your vibe is. There's something for you in Austin for sure. Okay, now this is the last question. We're getting close to, to Thanksgiving, and 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 this is a debate that probably is takes place. Um, uh, and I'm actually going to give you two here. Okay, give you two two situations. Uh, okay. But this is a debate that probably rages at every Thanksgiving table, okay? And this is one at mine, at my my family's Thanksgiving table as well. We're, we're talking gravy, okay? Talking gravy. Okay. When it comes okay. to gravy for, for your Thanksgiving meal, are you a fan of giblet gravy, like with the gizzards and stuff in there, or no giblet gravy? Like no giblets in your gravy. You are a fan of giblets, okay? So, so let's defend that. Let's defend that. What, what, what's, what is it about the giblet gravy that does it for you? 
I didn't know. I mean, first off, so my family, I'm from like we're from the south, so yeah. I didn't know there was a different type of gravy. <laughs> like to me, that's the only gravy. You yeah, have. yeah. I mean, it, it gives you some, it gives you a, a different uh, taste on your dressing. You know, and, yeah. and where I'm from, we don't eat stuffing; we eat dressing. So that's right. It, that's it, right. It gives you it, it gives you a little bit, especially if you have a little cranberry sauce on there too. It just gives you a little bit something different, man. Um, you know, the the crunch, the 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 chewing it, I mean it just it provides so much extra. See, and, and again, I, I'm a no giblet gravy guy. Uh and, and it's <laughs> and it, and that's it's just a texture thing. It just you know, it's like man, it's yeah, just I can see that. I, I those see those that. those gizzards get they're real chewy. They're real chewy. Yeah. Uh now yeah, that's not to that. say that I wouldn't I mean I would eat it. I'll eat it, but it, it's not my preference. All right, now here's okay. here's the last one. You already mentioned cranberry sauce, and I think to me, I think cranberry sauce is a food that's gonna die out with like maybe my parents. I mean, I just don't see it a, a whole lot. Oh, don't say that. I, I know, I know. So that's what I'm asking. So, are you you're a fan of the cranberry sauce or no cranberry sauce? I'm assuming you are. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm like you. We get we get it only once a year. Yeah. But but when I, but when it's Thanksgiving time, I absolutely need it. Yeah, I absolutely. Need it. I, I actually I do like cranberry sauce, and I would I am a fan of it. I'm not a fan of the the canned cranberry sauce. You open up the can and just it just kind of comes out in one. Oh, you know, <laughs> you I'm not, like the actual cranberry. Yeah, so like my wife makes some that's like it's actually like a it's almost kind of like a sauce. I mean, it's 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 cran. I mean, and it's oh, it's, yeah. it's it's good. It's good. I mean, I'll eat the stuff from the can, but you know, it's just. <laughs> Come on, let's that's you know it just kind of slides out and it's not real inspiring. So uh, I think we uh, we're selling cranberry sauce short. So all right, so 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 coach, you're pro pro giblet pro cranberry sauce. Uh, you know I think you probably could could we we could go down and debate some more, but we'll stop there. Coach Greer, I really appreciate you taking some time out of the week at game week to uh, to talk with us. We've been trying to get this done for a while now, and I'm finally I'm glad we finally got it done. No, absolutely, man. Thank you for having me, and um, I'm a big fan of yours, man. You're 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 growing the game, and you're helping grow the game. And at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. So um, I, I'm so honored that you have me on, and I hope I hope I could help or you know get uh, help further the game as well. Thanks so much to Coach Greer for his kind words there and for joining us today. Great stuff from him. Uh, you know, not just on the football stuff, but but also great arguments on the. Uh, merits of giblet gravy and cranberry sauce as well. The, the content was really good there. We could have you know, really fleshed that out some. So maybe that's a question or a subject we'll toss over to you guys on Twitter. Uh, Thanksgiving week, you can help us out. We can debate uh, you know, Thanksgiving sides and, and, and things like that, you know, because I'd like to hear your insight as well. So anyway, hey, I uh, really enjoyed talking with Coach Greer. Uh, I'm, I'm just so appreciative of him taking some time out to talk with us and share with us. Be sure to follow Coach Greer on Twitter. Uh, you can find him at Greer Jacori. That's at G-R-E-E-R-J-A-C-O-R-I. Let him know you heard him here on KYPD. Also, if you have a question for Coach about anything he shared today, you can contact him by email, and you can find his email address in the show notes of today's episode. Our quote of the day goes like this. If the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, chances are it's because it's getting better care. And with that, we will sign off on episode 86. 
Now remember, there are only two episodes left in this season, season two of KYPD. We'll take the month of December and the first couple weeks of January off before ramping back up with season three to start off 2021. So subscribe now so you never miss an episode and help us spread the word about our podcast here by giving us a five-star rating, leaving us a review, and telling your coaching buddies all about us. Also, if you have a coach that you would like to hear on KYPD, let us know. You can do that either by contacting us on Twitter at KYPD Podcast or by sending us an email to KYPDpodcast at gmail.com. Until next week, hey, get after those slaps on the O-line this week. Split those double teams. And, of course, always remember, keep your pads down.